just to uh, um, give a, an outline of the the day. Um, usually, we begin with a, um, a short period or a little recitation of some of our traditional chanting. So uh, uh, we'll begin with that today, and then. Um, uh, I'll introduce the, the themes for the day, what I, I have in mind, and uh, and then during the, the course of the morning we'll have time for sitting and walking meditation and uh, a few questions that people have uh, coming up uh, out of the uh, instructions I've been giving or things I've been saying. Um, then we'll we'll have the, the period for the, the meal time for lunch, It'll be about 11.30-ish, 11.45. Um, and then through the afternoon, again, we'll have uh, walking, sitting, meditation, and then a, a, a more substantial period for questions, uh, answers, discussion uh, later on in the afternoon. So the, the verse that we'll begin the, today with is um, the, uh, some of the Buddha's teachings on loving-kindness and, and the reflections on the, what are called the Brahma-viharas, or the uh, divine states of being. So we'll do this in the English version so you can understand. <laughs> sometimes we do Pali, sometimes English, sometimes a mixture. But, uh, so this is just a little opportunity to um, help yourself uh, to settle down, to uh, just listen and uh, uh, allow the mind to compose here at the beginning of the day. And if you happen to know the, the, uh, uh, the words of the chant, then you're more than welcome to join in if you like. But otherwise, just Use this as a few moments to, to listen, to bring your attention to the present and to, to, um, to settle in. May I abide in well-being, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may they maintain well-being in themselves. May all beings be released from all suffering, and may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained. When they act upon intention, all beings are the owners of their action and inherit its results. Their future is born from such action, companion to such action, and its results will be their home. All actions with intention, be they skillful or harmful, of such acts, they will be the heirs.
of the um, the theme for the day, as uh, those of you who uh, looked at the um, notices and such like, you'll see this is um, season of mists and mellow fruitfulness. Of course, recognizing this is the lines from John Keats, famous English poet, on autumn. I guess uh, I realized um, since the temperatures this week have been in triple digits, about 106 yesterday at the Vaigiri Monastery. That, uh, the, um, and uh, that I really haven't quite got used to not living in England. And when I look at the calendar, I see end of September, I think, oh, well, it's autumn by then. And uh, the uh, mists hanging heavily over the fields and the, the leaves all turning and the chill in the, uh, the, <laughs> the first frosts in the air. So, uh, so I'm going to get used to living in California after a while, but it uh, <coughs> hasn't quite sunk in yet. But uh, certainly on the way down here from our monastery, you could smell the, the, the ripening of the grapes in the air as you drive past the, the vineyards. And um, there was a little mist over the ground, just north of Petaluma. <laughs> but uh, the main theme for the, uh, for the, the day, um, uh, what I had in mind was bringing together the idea of, of autumn of the year, the, the waning of the year, um, lengthening of the nights, and the um, uh, eventually the cooling of the days, <laughs> the, uh, the ripening of the fruit, uh, as, as uh, Keats had it, uh, to bend with apples the moss-cottaged boughs and fill all fruit with ripeness to the core. So the grapes are hanging heavily on the vines, filled with their, their ripeness. And to bring that together with our, um, our own human life, uh, uh, the, and particularly the qualities of aging, the, uh, being in the, the latter quarter of the year, the last quarter of the year, and um, to use this as a day of reflecting on the aging process uh, and also on the qualities of, of sickness, the presence of, of sickness in our lives. And, uh, um, anybody who's not subject to aging or sickness, uh, you might as well go home now. <laughs> well, maybe you just have an academic interest. You know, you're not really aging, and you've never really, you never really get sick, and you're just kind of because you came with a friend, or you, you've heard somebody, you've heard somebody who that happened to once. Um, but uh, yeah, just the. Uh, as the the, year, the years go by, the increasing number of chairs and the diminishing number of, of cushions. <laughs> There's a clue there that uh, the um, there is a, a process uh, in action. Um, the joints get stiffer, the uh, uh, the nerves are more uh, filled with uh, uh, achy feelings. Um, uh, our bodies age inexorably. Even since I started talking, we've all been aging. <laughs> it doesn't even wait for a, a, a minute, let alone a day. You know that it's it's an inexorable process. So it's something to, that's worthy of investigation and uh, to look at, and uh, to to consider the the effect that these things have within our lives and, and how we relate to that. Um, because the point of all Buddhist teaching, Buddhist practice, is that of liberation. But um, we might have a, a, an idea of liberation or have a, a, a 
vague aspiration towards that, but it's also helpful to be aware of what it is that we're aiming to be liberated from. What is it that we feel confines us or, or hems us in? And how do we relate to that? How does that, that confining happen? And, and why? And what, what can be done about that? So that these are the, the basic uh, approach or reason for, for um, steering the uh, attention towards uh, this kind of theme. Uh, also, you know, in culturally we might think of our, our, our aging or may maybe it's sort of customary to think of our mellow autumnal years, the autumn of our lives, the, the kind of mellow serenity of the wisdom of age. You might have heard of that. <laughs> but, uh, and some of us would think, well, if I could just have the wisdom of age and the youthful body, you know, can, can we change the, the mix here a little bit? You know, the sprightliness and energy of youth uh, without any of the confusion and angst and, you know, the sort of mellow serenity of, of age. That would be, that'd be great. Can we give this sort of rejig the, the setup here a little bit? But that's, this isn't the way that, uh, that nature seem, seems to work. And um, so that uh, along with the, the experience of, of living a life, we get this um, uh, advancing of the aging process, even if we're not that old, you know, relatively speaking, and we're still youthful, we're still subject to, to, to sickness or, or injury. And, uh, and so that, that uh, it's important to, to consider uh, what, what effect do these, these elements have in our, in our life and, and how do we relate to those? I mean, the very fact that uh, sickness and, and aging are, are unappealing, you know, when, when we say those words, what happens? There's a, there's a slight shriveling inside, isn't there? Sickness, aging. <laughs> <laughs> not me, not, not yet, <laughs> not now. As there's, what, what, but where does that come from? Isn't that interesting how that happens? If we, and like I was, was talking about this yesterday up at the monastery, I said, if we had a... a uh, like uh, in the midsummer uh, day long, it was maximum brightness. Yay! You know, love and light. <laughs> wow, yeah, great. Aging and sickness. <laughs> but uh, there's also there's a, there's an intuitive sense that we have within us that the fact that there's more than just me and Venerable Nyanamedi here today. <laughs> but... Uh, that, yeah, this is something that's good to know about. It's something that's, that's important to, to know about. So it's, these are unappealing and, and they're threatening to the, to the ego, the idea of, of physical frailty, of the aging process, that feeling of when we look into that mirror in the in first thing in the morning and think, oh dear. <laughs> oh man, this is really, <laughs> this is really going in one direction. <laughs> So, um, yeah, to, so to, to recognize this is, this is, these are unappealing, they're, they're, they're threatening qualities. But it's also, these are, these are elements, uh, aging and sickness, these are two of what the Buddha called the heavenly messengers, the Devaduta. And when he was uh, uh, a young man, when he was uh, a prince, and this, this, as the legend goes, it was because he snuck out of the palace and, and took off with his, his charioteer and was driving around Kapilavatu. And he'd had this very protected 
childhood and upbringing so that, as the, the legend goes, he was not allowed to see any, any aging person. He wasn't able to see any sickness or never any dead people. Um, so that these were very, very vague or remote concepts, if, if in his mind at all. And then he went out into the streets with Channa, his friend, and, and he saw a you know, sick person you know, um, <coughs> lying sort of collapsed in a heap uh, and say, what's happened to that person? What's wrong with them? And Chana says, oh, that's a sick person. Gee, that looks terrible. Is, is this a very rare thing? He says, oh, no, no, everyone gets sick at some point. Whoa. So he was shocked and, and horrified. And then the next excursion they went out, then they saw a, an aged person, somebody bent over, kind of walking with a, a stick, all wrinkled and gray, and think, gee, what happened, to, what happened to them? Oh, that's just an old person, you know. Just someone, that's what happens when the years go by, you get to 80, 90 years old, that's, that's the way we are. Ooh, it's not a rare thing at all. So that was, again, he was shocked and horrified. And then they saw a funeral the next time out, a dead person, and similarly just amazed that this is what happened to, to people. So is this a, some kind of tragedy or some sort of rare occurrence? Oh, no, no, every single person that happens to. Oh, Really? So he, the, the initial experience was that of, of threat and, and shock and, and horror at, at such elements of, of life that he'd been protected from. And then the, the, on the fourth excursion, then that's when the story goes that he saw the religious seeker, uh, a wanderer, and saw this, this um, uh, uh, rag-robed monk uh, walking in the, in the streets and, and obviously dressed a bit differently and acting a bit differently to other people, very sort of quiet and serene, carrying a, 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 an alms bowl. So what's that person doing? He says, oh, he's a seeker. He's a spiritual seeker. He's, what, what does that mean? Well, he's one who's determined to, to see the way out of, of uh, aging and death, the one who's aiming to transcend the, the limits of the, of the mortal world. Oh, well, can people do that? Oh, yeah, people can do that. <laughs> Is that common? No. <laughs> but you can do it. And so that's when, apparently, according to the legend, the spark was lit and that uh, he decided, aha, uh -huh, maybe I can do that. And then as it says in, the, in the, the scripture, there's this very beautiful little passage, which I shall read, where he says, as he's sort of reflecting on his own, his own motivation, he said, before my enlightenment, while I was still only an unenlightened bodhisattva, being myself subject to birth, aging, ailment, death, sorrow and defilement, I sought after what was also subject to those things. Then I thought, why? Being myself subject to birth, aging, ailment, death, sorrow and defilement, why do I seek after what is also subject to those things? Suppose, uh, being myself subject to those things, seeing danger in them, I sought after the unborn, the unaging, the unailing, the deathless, the sorrowless, the undefiled supreme conquest of bondage, Nibbāna. So that was uh, how he encapsulated that motivation. It's like, there's got to be a different way. What, uh, and somehow he had that feeling of, there is a different way. There is a way that we don't have to be confined by, by these, by the, the aging of the body, by the sickness of the body, and the, the eventual death of the body. There's got to be a different possibility. And he knew that as, like a, as, a, an, as an intuition. Somewhere in his heart, he knew that there's definitely an alternative. And then the, the spiritual quest, and probably what draws us all here today to some degree or another, is finding that thread, finding that, 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 that way to freedom, 
said, uh, that quality of being unconfined or unfettered, un unburdened by these, these uh, limiting aspects of, of life as we experience it. Now, the, um, the, the general way that we relate to, to sickness and aging is fear, uh, resentment, uh, denial, you know, and this is totally natural. You know, I'm just not trying to be a uh, sort of life negating. I'm not aiming to be a life negating, <laughs> teaching life negation. But uh, it, when we 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 think about um, the kind of way that we relate to the aging of the body, like something terrible has gone wrong, or this, this is shouldn't be happening to me, or this is a real disaster, and just even using expressions like "60 is the new 40." <laughs> is this is this a familiar expression, especially amongst our, our generation? A, I'm not quite at sixty yet, but <laughs> sixty is the new forty. Like this isn't really happening, is it, right, guys? You know, I mean, okay, we all agreed. You know, sixty is the new forty. You know, I mean, we've got the multivitamins, and they got the you know, we've got everything sort of set up for this. It's, this isn't really happening. Grow old disgracefully. That was a uh, was a, I think it was a, a caption on a on a uh, it was an advert for a for a retirement plan actually, but it had a a, a white bearded guy with a Harley Davidson <laughs> grow old disgracefully, you know. And one can empathize. Maybe there's some some white bearded Harley riders here, and so I'm not going to be critical or. <laughs> but just it, it, uh, that sense of of. Um, Pushing that away, or, or saying this isn't really happening, or, or Dylan Thomas's famous lines, "Go not gently into that good night, but rage, rage against the dying of the light." Go not gently into that good night. So, if you, so you might think, well, is Ajahnamaro saying we should just all sort of lie down and <laughs> just get depressed and just let it all happen and? Say, yes, I'm aging and I'm sick and it's all going to end. <laughs> Why bother with anything? But that, that's not it either. That, whereas the one is, uh, is de denying, that resenting and resisting nature, the other is just caving in, uh, just uh, becoming numb or passive. And that, that's not the, the way either. Both of those are, are extremes that the Buddha's teachings is that neither of these ways are, are liberating. You know, none of them are really unified with with truth, they're not, they're not a, a, a really seeing the whole picture. So what I'd like to, to do with today is to try and uh, look at different ways that we can find the, what's that middle way between those, those two, um, that, that sense of just getting depressed and, and uh, caving in, or um, that resenting and, and resisting and denying. That, uh, what is that other way? What is the, the way through the middle of that? How do we find that? What's the what, what's the alternative to be able to uh, to be open and to, to know the, the the changing nature of the, the body and its its fragile and and uh, dependent qualities, but yet not to be uh, limited by that? Can we do that? Is that possible? I think so. <laughs> but it, it's uh, so hopefully today we'll look at ways that we can we can explore that and find ways to to, to work with that. One of the, the practices that the, the Buddha's the Buddha pointed at 
that he encouraged very strongly is called the five subjects for frequent recollection. So things to, five things to bring up and to, to, to think of every day. And you, you might think, well, the five things to think of every day is, yes, there is an ultimate reality and we can be totally liberated. <laughs> yes, the Dhamma is totally dependable. <laughs> you, know, you might think that's the, the five subjects, but no. <laughs> the five subjects are, I'm of the nature to age, I'm of the nature to sicken, I'm of the nature to die. All that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise, will become separated from me. I'm the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I will be the heir. So you think, well, I really didn't come here to get more depressed. (laughs) So maybe I should leave now. But, and now, the, the Buddha was not did not have a perverse sense of humor. It's like, well, you know, I'm totally free. <laughs> you guys are in trouble. Good luck. You know, you know I'm out of here. You know, that's, that's, that's not... Uh, and just uh, trying to rub it in, like, uh, I'm of the nature to age, I'm of the nature to sick, and I'm of the nature to die. And, and not only that, but all that, is, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing will become otherwise, will become separated from me. Now, what is it that's threatened by that? Is there a feeling of threat or insecurity that comes up when you hear those words? Right? I feel, I mean, I've recited them for 30 years. and <laughs> I can still feel that. Now, what is it that says, I don't want to think that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to know that. You know, that, that in us which wants to, to identify with a, a permanent, stable, comfortable, uh, mobile and efficient body, <laughs> a clearly functioning, thinking, stable, uh, stable mind that th- says this is the real and true me and this is, uh, my, and this is my right to have a comfortable, ailment-free, uh, good-looking... <laughs> and a fully functional body and, a, and an active, clear, functional, uh, socially acceptable mind. <laughs> and it's my right to have one of those all the time. And, to, and when we spell it out like that, something in us goes, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. But somehow the mind creates this idea of the ideal me, uh, that I have this, this comfortable, healthy fully functioning body and a mind that thinks clearly and remembers everybody's addresses and people's names, <laughs> even though I know them very well. <laughs> you know, when the name escapes us for a moment, to say that we have, somehow we believe there's this ideal me that has the right to have all of these things. And when they're not there, we feel threatened. When, we, when, when something says, it's not going to be this way forever, then that's what's threatened, is that uh, what you can call self-view or the, or the ego centered views, this kind of idealized self-image. So what the Buddha's encouragement in these teachings is not some sort of perverse sense of humor, but he's saying to, to, to turn the attention to look at that. Look at that. Isn't this ridiculous? Isn't this really weird? It's like you're the one person that's never going to have an ailment, <laughs> whose body's never going to get injured, that's always going to be comfortable and functional, that's always going to stay 23 and good-looking, 
you know, just attractive enough, not so that you cause trouble for yourself. You kind of keep away the predators and the you know, attracting stalkers and you know, just comfortable enough, good looking enough. You think you're the one person that's ever lived in the world that's going to be that way? Really? Look at that. Look at, look at what the mind is creating. And it's, so it's, in a way, it's a fundamental realism that he's, he's uh, addressing. So, and look, look how much tension that we create in ourselves, afraid of the effect of those wrinkles, afraid of that, what's going on in that left knee. Oh, not the left one now. Oh. <laughs> but it was my right one that was bad, not this one too. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, the endless litany of, why do they print things so small nowadays? <laughs> Gee, they, how are we expected to read these labels? This is ridiculous. And why do people mumble? Don't they teach people how to enunciate properly in school these days? Everyone's mumbling. Even on the television, even the newsreaders mumble. You know, it's just endlessly said. You know, it's, just, it's kind of a joke, but it's also, don't we feel that? So what, uh, what the Buddha's doing is saying, look, the emperor's naked. Look, look the emperor's, look, the guy's got no clothes on. <laughs> It's like, no, no, that, yeah, we, we do the best we can with these bodies. We make them sort of presentable and, you know, reasonably odor-free and, you know, tidy and, and uh, you know, socially acceptable uh, as possible or reasonably, you know, uh, appealing and, and fit in and, and uh, take care of our ailments, go to the doctors and, and take care of our illnesses and, and keep things as, in, in as good order as possible and take care with eating um, helpful things or, or um, not causing ourselves harm. But, you know, look, <laughs> the, emperor, the emperor is not wearing any clothes. This guy's got no clothes on. And, you know, th- this is an extraordinarily fragile system. Uh, years ago, uh, when I, I, w- I was a student in uh, London University, I did a, a, a joint major in, in psychology and physiology and at the end of the, the physiology degree, that what I was left with was the, the distinct, uh, the, the clear intuition that this can't work. <laughs> There's just too many bits to go wrong. <laughs> it really, I was, I mean, I had a, a you know, a, 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 a fairly rationalist mindset, but it was just, when you really studied how the body works, even how like a muscle contracts, there's just so much that's involved. There's, it's such an incredibly intricate process, and it's all it's so mysterious. And, uh, and, and yet, all these millions and millions, billions of different processes all have to coordinate with each other. And when you actually track one single process through, it's like contracting a muscle. It's, it's just flat out you know, impossible for it to work, really. Those of you medical people, anatomists, physio- physiologists amongst us will know. It's like, it's incredible. I remember a, uh, uh, an immunology professor I had called Ivan Reut. Um, and he, I remember he was describing some kind of um, immunological reaction to us. And, and there was about eight or nine different stages in this. And he said, well, we figured out where stages one to four and how that works. And we're very clear about stages six to nine. But from four to six, we haven't got a clue. And not only that, stages four to six, if you do that in a lab, 
you have to do it at 200 atmospheres pressure and at 150 degrees centigrade. And it takes about an hour to make that work. And your body does this in a fraction of a second all the time at body temperature. Can't do it, but it does it all the time. And he was, uh, he was <coughs> kind of tickled by the fact that it was completely impossible. <laughs> yeah, some of the other professors were a little bit more annoyed. We'll crack this one. We'll work it out. We'll know. But th that was the one interesting thing about uh, Professor Royd was that he was like, isn't it amazing? You know, and, and also, when we figure out how, how from four to six works, what we'll do is we'll discover that there's another dozen mysteries buried in there and, you know, in, the, in stage five that's also Im equally impossible. <laughs> so that the very fact that our bodies work, that we can actually get up on a Sunday morning and get <laughs> here to Spirit Rock and, and we can sit here and hear things and, and make sense of words. This is absolutely a flat-out miracle. So it's amazing that most of our, half of our bodies don't just sort of keel over <laughs> and just stop working and that, that they work as well as they do. So when you consider that, then rather than illness, sickness being some kind of strange and unfortunate aberration, it's more that we should consider that that's more like the norm and it's miraculous that we, we stay as healthy and, as, and the body stay as integrated as they do. So there's a shift of, of attitude and uh, understanding. Uh, and when, so when we, we bring these things to mind, I'm the, of the nature to age, that shouldn't be news, right? <laughs> this isn't really news. It's just uh, bringing our attention to the, the fact of, of, of the matter. And then what happens when we, we actually turn towards a fact, an, an unwelcome fact like that? is it changes the chemistry. If it's an unfortunate thing that we really didn't want to, to be happening and it's just sort of kept off in the wings, then in a way there's a sense of, of threat that we're giving it power by pushing it away. When we say, please, come in, talk to me, we say, yes, this is, this is what's happening. Okay, this is, this is invited in. When we invite it in and look at it, then it's, there, there's a whole different angle that uh, we can appreciate that with, say, oh yeah, of course, well how could it not be this way? How could it be otherwise? Aha. So it's that aha element that is, all, is, is crucial to uh, this whole process. And that really, that, that turning towards and allowing things in, bringing those, these things up, you're recognizing the threat, just like the Buddha when he was a young man going through the streets, he was threatened and horrified by what he saw. Yes, there is that element of threat, but there's also the element of the, the spiritual seeker. There's the element of that, oh, right, of course, right? Do you see what I mean? It's like you're, you're touching into that same aspect of our own nature that said, well, duh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, how could it be otherwise? You know, that, that realizes, oh, yeah, it's always been this way. And I just wasn't seeing it like that. I was just coming from a, a place of... of uh, of bias, a place of, uh, of my own personal preferences, or, or coming from a place of, of uh, anxiety, insecurity. <coughs> uh -huh. So it's in a sense laying aside that self-centered view and opening the heart to the way that nature actually is, the way that life actually is. And essentially that turning towards and opening of the heart to things, this is really what loving kindness is. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in uh, essence the Part of the, what I'd like to bring across today is 
how much the quality of loving kindness is really uh, essential in in uh, uh, in living with these aspects of our of our nature of the aging and sickness of the body. So a kindness towards our own body. And ki- and metta sometimes comes across as trying to like everything. You know, may all beings be happy. Sometimes um, the the way that those words are translated, but. Uh, or may I abide in well-being, as we, we recited this morning. But it's also, metta is more to do with not dwelling in aversion. It's like finding that place in us which can completely accept the way things are. Like a radical acceptance is a, a very good phrase to use. And it's like a, a complete uh, realism, a radical acceptance of, of how things are. And... That, that openness of heart, which doesn't mean to say that we're trying to like everything. We're not saying, oh, whoopee, I've got another migraine. You know, oh, hooray, the left knee's gone too. That's great. You know, oh, hooray, I've got to change my, my prescription for my glasses again. You know, it's not, not trying to be sort of foolish, uh, uh, the sugaring things over in that way, but more it's to do with Say, well, this is how it is. You know, the eyes change, the, 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 the bones and the, the joints change. Everything is in a, a state of a transformation. Here it is. It's like this. This is, this is the way you know, nature works. And so that um, that, uh, that uh, is a, an important aspect. And having a, a kindness and an acceptance towards our own body, a friendliness towards our own body, in, in its working aspects and its its non-working aspects, its functioning and malfunctioning uh, aspects, but even the word like malfunctioning, yeah, or um, the <coughs> the sense of you know uh, relating to to aging and sickness as a state of loss, I also that's something I like to, to look at during the day because it's it's almost like. I have these capacities, these are mine, these are my right, and now they're leaving. And so we have a, a sense of bereavement or, or, or loss. But if we look at it instead in the sense of, well, it was a gift in the first place. <laughs> it was just something that was, it was very convenient and helpful to have around, and it was present, it was, it was uh, beautiful to have it, but it was always in a state of change. It's not like I had it in a real and absolute sense, and now it's going. It's like... No, it was around for a while, and it did its thing, and, and now it's, it's not around anymore, or it's leaving. You see the difference? So it's a different way of holding it. And it's when we have that idea of, I have the right to be healthy, uh, to be comfortable, to be uh, um, energetic and youthful, and to be able to do what I want, go where I like, and have full mobility, full mental uh, competence you know, all the time, if we buy into the more we buy into that, the more we set ourselves up for for disappointment and depression and uh, and bereavement as things take shape, uh, as things change, right? <laughs> so that it's uh, the the Buddha's advice is not to make us more depressed, but to be more realistic and to set things up to be able to have a uh, a very uh, open and bright attitude towards things, so that. As things change, rather than creating a state of of um, of, uh, of loss, oh my God, it's leaving! I, you know, I had this precious thing and now it's gone. It's more like you had a a very welcome guest, 
oh, it was lovely having you around. Bye-bye. <laughs> you know, as, as the faculties leave, like, oh, it doesn't work anymore. Oh, well, it was nice to have it around for a while, and now it's, and now it's not here anymore. So, which is not being sort of vain and foolish, but uh, we find that there's more of a quality of gratitude that, uh, that we experience for the faculties we do have, rather than setting ourselves up for a, uh, a sense with a, a sense of entitlement that then leads to a state of, of loss. So these are a few of the, the, the themes I'd like to, to touch on for the day and different um, practices that we'll, we'll do and different kinds of meditation. We'll, we'll pick up on those as, as the day proceeds. But um, maybe just before we have the uh, first sitting, if there's any particular questions, I take one or two questions first of all. Um, I don't know if they want to pass the microphone around to take questions. Or, uh, there's one, yeah. But if there's anything that needs sort of clarifying before we have the first sitting for the day. Yeah, Stephen. Testing? Okay, good, it's on. Um, so that's a nice way to see it when something we've enjoyed, like our vitality or certain strength we've had and it's lost. And I saw a certain, you know, lightness, oh, you know, an appreciation, oh, I've had that and now it's the nature of it to go. But our tendency often is to grieve such a loss. Mm -hmm. Is that still very mindful or are we more skillful <laughs> when we say, oh, you know, it, it seems a very human emotion to grieve, to despair, a lot of these things we pass through. So, Well, it's very human, and also you can't unpick the things that al have already been set in motion. You know, the, th the, the things that we've already invested in, that, that there's a, like as I'm the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, you know, we've, there's certain attitudes that are already there, then they're going to have their resonances. But, but then to be able to, uh, so it's totally natural to, to recognize that. But just like a physical pain, grief is an emotional pain. And just say, oh, here is the, the feeling of loss. Like, I really can't read that sign. I used to be able to read signs at 100 feet, and man, I can't read it anymore. <laughs> and so then there's that, this feeling, that wave of grief, of like, ah. But to, to be able to, to allow that through, to, to know that, and to to then not make more of it than there is. So it's, you're not saying, I should, I should be cheerful, I should be happy. Oh, there goes my eyesight, hooray! <laughs> it's not a matter of should, but just that because there's you know, a lifetime of conditioning. It's like last week we had, um, we had these uh, uh, camping retreats up in Yosemite. We were camping at about 10,000 feet. And, and I always used to be the guy who was out sort of springing up the hillside like a mountain goat in front and and uh, was sort of bouncing over the rocks and and then now that you know I'm 53 and so Tanyana Medi and a couple of the other younger guys it was we were we were all climbing up Mount Dana or the intention was to possibly climb up Mount Dana <laughs> you start you start at Tayoga Pass which is about 10,000 feet and then it goes up to 13,000 or something or other 
So uh, Tanchundra and Yanamadi and Pamuta are like, <laughs> we're, we're like a quarter of a mile out. And I said, okay, you guys, <laughs> I'm going to take some pictures. You know, you go ahead. <laughs> and so, uh, so the, 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 under, the uh, under 40s or under 30s, you're going to go bouncing up the hill. Tanchunda was, was at the top in two hours. Debbie Stamp and I were the, sort of la- the, the latter members of the party. And so we were the over 50s. So we took about five hours to get up. You know, we had a, lo- a long lunch break. And, <laughs> and uh, there, there was a... But it was interesting because I, uh, th- there was a sense of, yeah, I used to, that used to be me. It was out, out the front and uh, watching the Ajahn behind, like, oh, oh Ajahn Sumedho, he's kind of not really keeping up. Oh, well, ding! <laughs> <laughs> I should be slowing down, you know, and while the, the, the legs are bounding up the hill. But it was it was interesting, like oh yeah, that's that that's not something that I can do. And it was it's interesting that it was also it wasn't a matter of will. It was just I can't get the air in the lungs. It was not a, a matter of pushing through. It's like no, there is no vote here. <laughs> it's like the legs just said no. We stop until you, there's more oxygen in, and then we can go again. So that there's a there's a that, that wave of oh yeah that that used to be me out front but that's not happening anymore and it's not it's not going to happen again and that you, the but that not really feeling like a sense of of sadness about that but just yeah that's that's a departure that's a, that's something that's not there anymore and that uh, I think the more that we we work with those kind of experiences and set ourselves up. You know, in the present, then the more able we are to digest them. Yeah, but certainly there was that. There was definitely a recognition of you know that used to be me. But there also there's the capacity for the mind not to make a big deal out of that. It's like, well, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, things change. So you recognize grief arising, and you just watch that too. Or yeah. Did you uh, feel any grief of knowing that I'm not going to run up the hill today? <laughs> um, not particularly strongly. But it's, it's definitely there's that as a, a grieflet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> coin a word for it, a grieflet. No, I, I, I'm in a chair today because the other knee went. <laughs> there you I'm go. Normally on the floor. But yeah, there you it's, go. it's nice here too. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, that's why the, the Buddha said yeah, the more that we, we, set, we, we prepare ourselves, like I'm of the nature to age, I'm of the nature to sicken, when, that, when the knee goes, it's not like, oh my God. You know, there, there, there can be that. Oh, you know. Oh no, not this one too. That's not fair. Uh, why me? But then, if, the more that we've developed those kind of reflections, then we're able to listen to those voices, and then the, the, the voice of wisdom chimes in as well and says, "Well, why not me?" <laughs> you know that. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate and inconvenient, and you know, I was never a chair guy before, but now here it is. And that uh, that those those waves of, of feelings of loss are able to we're able to digest them, because even the Buddha experienced that. You know, there's a, a, the, another of the, the passages that uh, it's a very beautiful little um, passage where the Buddha was staying in the Eastern Monastery, the, the palace of Migara's mother. 
He had risen from retreat in the evening and was sitting, warming his back in the rays of the setting sun. He, the Buddha had chronic back pain when he was old. So in those days, the only heat lamp you had was the sun. So he's sitting on the veranda of his kuti, warming his back in the setting sun, easing his aches and pains. Venerable Ananda went up to him and paid homage. While he was rubbing the Blessed One's limbs, he said, It's amazing, Lord, it's incredible. Now the color of the Blessed One's skin is no more clear and bright. All his limbs are flaccid and wrinkled. His body is bent forward and there seems to be a, a change, like his, um, the, in the sense faculties, meaning his, uh, things are degenerated. Um, in his eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and bodily sensation. So it is, Ananda, so it is. Youth has to age, health has to sicken, life has to die. Now the color of my skin is no more clear and bright. All my limbs are flaccid and wrinkled. My body is bent forward, and there is a change indeed in the sense faculties. There's degeneration in my eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and bodily sensation. So the Blessed One said, and then he said further, Shame on you, sordid age! maker of ugliness. Age has now trampled down the form that once had grace. To live a hundred years is not to cheat decay that gives quarter to no one and tramples down all things. So even the Buddha experienced those grieflets. Like, yeah, look at it. Yeah, look at it. Yeah. They, people used to admire this once. <laughs> Yeah, and that, but also he's saying it. You know, he's expressing that feeling of, because I'm sure as a as a young guy and before his enlightenment, he was pretty proud of being this sort of statuesque uh, warrior noble prince. Like he was pretty buff, <laughs> kind of. Uh, he was a warrior and and well known for being very tall and good looking and and all the the, the all the investment that there was in that as a, as a as a young man, then the resonances carry on even after the enlightenment. Yeah, look at this shame on you, sordid age, uh, maker of ugliness. But also there's a, yeah, that's, that's the perception of it, but also there's, there's no entanglement in that. That's the key. <laughs> okay, one more and then we'll have a, a, a break before the sitting. There's one behind you, Stephen, there. Okay. The woman with the purple... Whatever it is, yes. Uh, one of the things that um, comes up for me is uh, a sense of relief in aging because mm -hmm. it kind of equals the fields in a way. People aren't so much, not everybody, but there's more of a coming into presence of wanting to know and wanting to be with things mm -hmm. in a way that there never was before. I mean, that's what, it, for me, it is. It's like, this is where... I'm at now. There's not that competitive feel. There's not that life has to be this way. <laughs> it's just, it's um, this is how it is. Yeah, and that that's uh, that's really um, the ideal. <laughs> Speaking of ideals, that if we can open ourselves to that aging process, and that's exactly the 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 most helpful effect of it. It levels the field, and it also clarifies the priorities in life. Like, well, what was really important. Yeah, what, what's really significant and what's, and what's really helpful for us to focus on. Because a lot of things that we, we burn a lot of energy being concerned about you know, can fall away. So that, um, that when we, we are using and understanding the aging process and the, the limitation of the body, because also that you can come to that even when, say, the, there's a, 
if you have a lot of illness at a young age, as a child or in, in uh, early uh, teens or adulthood, that um, there can be that kind of simplification. If I, oh, well, I'm out of the game. I don't have to worry about winning anymore because <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not part of this. And so that's an important, that's an important element that uh, we'll pick, I'll pick up on during the day as well. Okay, so maybe if you would like to stretch your legs for a few minutes, then we'll come back for the first sitting of the day. Those who need to stretch their legs, of course. <laughs>